Welcome, everybody. Today, we kick off the Women in Technology podcast with our current president, Daphne Wotherspoon, and past president, Carrie Drake, both incredible women, amazing moms, successful executives, inspiring leaders, and remarkable role models to me, as well as to many in the community. Welcome, Daphne, and welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Christine. We're really excited to do this. I know this episode will be the launch of the Women in Technology podcast, so it was quite apropos to pick the two of you to start it off. So I'll go ahead with the first question, but tell me about yourselves, where you're from, your current work position, and your mantra for women in technology. We'll start with you, Daphne. Okay, great. Thank you, Christine. I'm really honored to be part of this podcast launch and excited to do this with you and Carrie. I am that rare uh, native to the D.C. region. This area is so transitional and many people move here, but I have really lived here since early childhood. I'm a product of Fairfax County Public Schools, and then I went to George Mason University. I currently live in Loudoun County with my husband and two teenage daughters. And for my day job, I am the managing director for Addison Group's technology staffing practice located here in Northern Virginia. We are a national staffing and consulting firm, and I help IT organizations deliver on their goals by accessing the best talent in the marketplace. And I get to help candidates find their dream jobs, which I love. I noticed early on in my profession how few female clients I had, and also that there was just a huge shortage of female applicants for the roles that we were supporting. And this helped me get really interested in why that was and what I could do to change it. So, you know, on that note, my uh, wit mantra is really um, that I truly believe that when one woman helps another, amazing things happen. Yes, absolutely. And, and that's so true for women in technology. How about you, Carrie? Sure. I um, was born and raised in a small town in central Kentucky called Danville. We're about 35 miles south of Lexington. I am a true blue University of Kentucky fan. And that is where I got my degree and graduated and met my husband who grew up in Northern Virginia. And that's how I ended up um, in the DC metro area. My current role is as the Director of Government Marketing for Maxar. And Maxar is a space technology company, which is actually headquartered in Westminster, Colorado. And it has evolved over the years. And when I got started in the DC area, I was working for a nonprofit called the United States Geospatial Intelligence Foundation. And it was a totally new industry to me. And what is now Maxar was actually at the time, two companies called GOI and Digital Globe that were both members of that organization. And I've followed the Maxar story for a long time. And I've been very fortunate to just join the team there in the fall of this year. And it's very exciting. My boss is also an awesome woman who has been a mentor and friend of mine for more than a decade now. So it's a real honor to work with her. And I would say my women in technology mantra is empowered women empower the world. I truly believe that. I believe in organizations like WIT. And, and that's why it's such an honor to be a part of this group, to be able 
to use my power to empower and teach other folks to do that as well. Yes, thank you. And that's a great quote. And I I feel like that quote right now is very well needed in the world. As we all know, 2020 was a very interesting year. And I'll start with you, Carrie. Since the first half of 2020 was still under your tenure as president, what was on your mind as we entered the pandemic, lockdowns, and uncertainties? Thoughts on how you managed the situation? Gosh, I remember having some wit executive committee calls end of February, beginning of March, as we were, you know, pulsing what was going to happen and having this conversation of, you know, we think we're going to shut down schools for three weeks, maybe until spring break, and then we'll come back and let's take a look at the wit calendar and push things out by a few weeks. And by the time we get to May, when WIT Leadership Awards are supposed to take place, it should be the sweet spot for coming back into in-person events. And, you know, everything will be fine. We just, we need to be mindful and just evaluate on a continuous basis of what we need to do. And it was probably a Friday to Friday that we had a conversation where it was just like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's wait and see what happens to the next week where it was like, okay, it's time to reschedule everything. The RMK team, which RMK is the association management company that helps to run WIT. The RMK staff really pivoted and figured out how to help WIT become more virtual and bring our programs into a virtual environment. They were a tremendous asset to our success over the last year. And the executive committee and the board and all of the volunteers that are involved with women in technology really rose to the occasion and brainstormed about what we can do to still provide our resources to our membership and just give each other some grace, just do what we needed to do to still stay engaged and still provide value to women in technology in DC. And I'm just really proud of the work that the board and the committees have all done over the last year. The beginning of the year, I, you know, I started out thinking, we'll be fine. It, we'll just push things down the road. And here we are nearly a year later, we're still pushing things down the road. <laughs> and then I had to hand it off to Daphne. There are a lot of things that happen in a presidency. And it's not necessarily how you plan to hand off. And I'm sure for Daphne, it wasn't how she planned to pick up <laughs> the reins either. The Leadership Awards was so phenomenal. That's one of my favorite events for WIT. I wanted to participate in more things for WIT uh, because of the inspiration I got from that Leadership Awards. And with it being completely virtual, with so many participants and so many uh, folks for the leadership finalists, it was just so well run and kudos to the leadership for that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and again, I can't say enough about Reggie Kuba and RMK team, right? They keep us running. And I've just been so impressed with everything that they've done and how they've pivoted their business model over the past year. They've really paved the way for organizations like theirs to help support organizations like ours. And how about you, Daphne? Definitely a new norm. What was on your mind coming in as president in this new virtual world? Your thoughts on your strategy, maybe how to keep the momentum throughout the year? I think Carrie really captured the spirit of the spring time frame very well. It was, you know, constantly evolving. I think that we were all sort of having out-of-body experiences on those weekly executive calls, trying to figure out what to shift, how to do it quickly. And to her point, it, it was really just an amazing show of collaboration and creativity and hard work um, across the RMK team, the WIT board, and the whole volunteer community. 
So it was, you know, not the presidency that I had planned for. But I feel like in life, and certainly in this situation, challenges that are unexpected also create opportunities that are unexpected. I feel really fortunate to have taken this role after Carrie, because she did such an amazing job really defining, you know, how we were going to deliver content and helping the organization pivot to a digital mode. She really set us up for success in 2020 and 2021. And my biggest fear was just ensuring that we were still able to deliver the key programs and events during this crisis, because I was 100% sure that our services were going to be more necessary than ever. I knew that while it was the networking and the in-person events that initially drove me to WIT, I also sensed that women were going to be disproportionately impacted by the COVID crisis and the associated economic crisis, and that the mentoring opportunities, the workforce development opportunities, the leadership development content that we provide were just going to be more vital than ever to the community. So my strategy was to really commit to doing the whole year virtual and delivering content in the best way we could. And that often meant taking programs that were tried and true and very well established and being innovative to change them and deliver the best virtual content that we could, as opposed to delivering the same thing in a virtual model. So, you know, that was probably the biggest challenge and opportunity thus far in my tenure. When I started the year, the themes of my term were really innovation, collaboration, and diversification. And I've tried to stay focused on those objectives. And certainly, I think we've collaborated across the board and volunteer pool um, with Reggie and her team, as Carrie mentioned, as well as with the technology partners that we've leveraged to help deliver everything virtually. And that's been a wonderful experience. And then Coupling that with diversity and inclusion initiatives that we saw in 2021, it's given us a great opportunity to really look to how all of the programs that we're delivering were helping to serve underserved or under-resourced communities and engage women of color in the D.C. marketplace. That's really been the theme and, and the strategy for going forward. It's so relevant for today. And what we would like to do as far as women and technology is to make the community aware of all of our programs. They are just such great programs for the entire community to help lift women in that STEM field. Just to share and to perhaps inspire the folks that are listening, what was your personal journey with WIT? How did you start? What interested you the most about the organization upon learning about WIT? Years ago, I started attending women in technology events, mostly to network and to learn more about technology trends so that I was better able to assist my clients and understand their challenges. I worked in the IT industry, but I was not a hands-on technologist, and yet I met every day with CIOs and vice presidents and leaders of application development and engineering teams, and I needed to improve my knowledge and my ability to have solid business conversations on those topics. And WIT gave me such an amazing forum and, you know, to just have some fun after work, getting together with other like-minded females. So through this, I was able to meet a couple of mentors who became really impactful in my professional career, just developed strong friendships, 
with two women. One was a client, one was in a related industry. And coincidentally, both of them became a WIT presidents, you know, bring sort of a recruiter's perspective to it and really developed amazing respect for the other women that were on that committee and the work that they were doing. Through that, I learned more about all of the WIT programs, you know, beyond workforce development and how they all really fit together to help women through their presidency. You know, I remained friendly with them and they were both active mentors to me. And they really encouraged me to get more involved, not just attend events, but raise my hand and volunteer. They knew that I would have some insight that might help the workforce development programs and the job fair committee. And so a few years back, I did raise my hand to lead the job fair committee. And I just found that I love the chance to you know, help shape that program, advance in their education and their careers. So from that uh, initial committee chair role, I stepped into a board seat. I guess that was about four years ago as a board member at large, where I worked on both leadership awards and job fair. And then after that term, I became president-elect and then was really honored when Carrie asked me to succeed her as the president. How about you, Carrie? What was your personal journey with WIT and what interested you about the organization? Um, I often tell people that I have a volunteer problem. I really have a hard time saying no to volunteer opportunities with networking organizations. And I was actually approached by the chair of the membership committee at another women's networking organization event called the amazing women of the IC. And she said, Oh, you know, you should join women in technology. We have some great committees, including a young professionals special interest group and a communications committee. And so I was like, sure, why not? I'll be happy to do that. sounds like a great organization. Um, And so I've signed up to be a member of WIT and I joined the communications committee and volunteered with that group and spent about a year as a volunteer there and then was asked by that chair to apply to become the next chair of the communications committee. So I did that. During that time, we went through kind of a brand establishment for WIT and contributed to that. Trish had Margot as her president-elect. And Margot and I sat down going into Margot's presidency to talk about some programming and initiatives for communications committee and, and how I wanted to set some things up, including some partnerships with organizations like the Merit Group, who is our PR partner, be the president-elect to succeed her. And I did not see that coming. But like I said at the beginning of this, I have a problem saying no. And it just seemed like a great initiative and opportunity to help continue to shape the organization and contribute to our mission. I do remember commenting to a friend at the time that I've never felt more unqualified for something. And he said, Carrie, it's women in technology, not technical women. And I'm very pleased that we have both women in technology and technical women because we it takes all kinds of people to contribute to this mission. You hit a great point. There are gaps uh, in regards to women in tech at the moment regarding 50% of the workforce is women, but only 25% in the STEM fields. And I think we've certainly come a long way with the progression and advancement of women in the industry. But Carrie, do you see any specific gaps that we'd still like to focus on? And what can we in the organization or other organizations such as us do to make a difference? I like to tell people we are just a technology-driven world, whether we like it or not. 
most people are in technology, even if they don't recognize it, right? Especially, I think 2020 has really shown us the value of virtual environments and the role that technology plays in a day-to-day collaboration across the board. It's how many people have been able to continue in their careers. And so embracing the technical environment is something that we as women in technology can help our members to do and help to bring new members along. What are the opportunities for us to share resources and mentoring and collaboration as an organization to help empower women to continue in their careers and embrace maybe a new role or this technology-led environment? I think we've come a long way. But I think women in leadership roles and women in technical roles are still something that needs to be highlighted and celebrated, and we can lead the way in doing that. Yeah, exactly. And I know, Daphne, with uh, your role in your current position there at Addison Group, what are you seeing as far as any specific gaps that should be focused on? You know, we've seen advancement. What, What else are you seeing in regards to gaps? Yeah, it's interesting because I think Carrie hit the the nail right on the head in many ways. And also, as I was going through my own WIT journey and developing in my career in you know IT consulting, I was also raising two at the time tween girls, and so I saw firsthand how interest in STEM was very high for them in early childhood education. And then among them and their friends, there was a decline right at the middle school age. And, you know, studies suggest that that is when um, young females often disengage and start not to think of themselves as mathematicians or computer scientists. And I saw that in my own family. So it was very compelling to me to look at what we as an organization could do to really help retain that interest in students and young women, because we have an inadequate pipeline, honestly, of females in college or pursuing advanced degrees in information technology and the related disciplines. And so that feeds the future workforce. The work that we're doing through Girls in Technology and through some of our scholarship programs at WIT, and also just creating female role models and leaders in organizations that will help inspire the next generation of IT workers is really compelling to me. I do also have the opportunity to really talk to organizations about their thoughts on gender diversity, what their goals are in their organizations, help them see where they may have bias written into their job descriptions and in their hiring models that you know, might not be as obvious to them. You know, I love that through so many different WIT programs, we help work with our sponsors on those same kind of philosophical questions and help give them tools to improve. As president-elect coming in, it's amazing to be experiencing this year and also last under both of your leaderships. And you're both very successful in your uh, positions. What advice do you have for those uh, women who are just starting, but who would like to become successful, just as successful as both of you in the industry? Um, Is there anything that perhaps they should do from the beginning, or even if they made a career change, is there anything they could do to continue to rise and reach their utmost potential? for success. I guess I'll start with you, Carrie. Sure. Well, you started out asking us our mantra for women in technology, empowered women, empower the world. But I have a couple others that I live by. And one is your network is your net worth. And the other is decisions are made by those who show up. 
this applies across the board. I think it, it is incredibly applicable to women in technology and being a part of an organization like ours, but it's also applicable across everything that you do, whether that is graduating um, from higher education and making your way into the workforce or transitioning to a new role. It's finding organizations like WIT and finding organizations within companies um, and in your communities where you can network and build relationships because I would not have the jobs that I've had if it were not for the relationships and networking that I have done. I would not have had the volunteer roles that I've had if it were not for networking and, and engagement and relationships that I've built. And then decisions are made by those who show up. If you want to make an impact, if you want to learn, show up to things, contribute your ideas, listen to other people's ideas. And that's how new creative opportunities are born. That's how we learn from one another. It's how we experience different schools of thought and contribution. And it really helps us to evolve and grow as individuals, as companies, as organizations, and as women. That's the guidance that I have for anyone in any aspect of their life. Oh, thank you for that. That was so well stated. And then for you too, Daphne, I know that you've seen, um, you know, uh, people change careers as well. So what are your thoughts and advice for those who really want to become successful, whether they're starting, whether they've changed, really to do the best that they can to continue to rise? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love that quote, Carrie, about how your network is your net worth. I think that that is really spot on. We all need a Sherpa. The power of mentorship is real, right? And I love that women in technology provides that ability for women, but often in organizations or in their communities or through their schools or alumni groups, you know, they can also help find mentors. And I think that that's the most helpful thing that you can do to advance yourself is seek out mentors, multiple mentors often, and don't be afraid to lean on them for advice and guidance and introductions, because that really is how we all get ahead and are able to help one another. So I would love to ask that accomplished women in our industries reach down into their organizations and, you know, help other women find their voice, develop their potential and navigate the organizational landscapes to grow. There's really just nothing like having that experienced female to help guide you because the struggles that they have faced are the ones that, you know, you're likely to have ahead of you. Carrie touched on this as well as just lean in. Don't be afraid to use your voice. There's a study out there that I read that said that women will typically not apply for promotions or jobs or programs if they don't feel like they have more than 70% of the qualifications, whereas their male counterparts tend to focus more on the experience and skills that they do have and completely overlook those that they lack and apply anyway. You know, I would advise women to move outside of your comfort zone and realize that it is completely okay to grow into a job. I think that, you know, showing up is important, speaking your mind is important, and having the confidence to voice a different perspective, because that is how organizations move outside of their comfort zone and innovate and grow, is by hearing different perspectives. Apply for things where you don't necessarily check off every box, because that is really the way for you to advance and to help organizations advance. Oh, that's so true. I mean, how many positions have I not looked at just because I, I didn't feel 110% qualified for it? I think many of us feel that way. So thank you for sharing that. Lastly, I'd like to do some fire questions to the both of you. I'll start again with Carrie. I have three fire questions. 
homebrewed or Starbucks coffee? Okay, so how about I homebrew my Starbucks coffee? Right now, they have this great like peppermint mocha coffee blend. You know, it's a flavored coffee and I wanted to try it. And so I had to order like three bags, which is great because I have made it through two in the last couple of weeks. And I'm the only one that drinks coffee in my household. (laughs) Perfect. We're both coming over. (laughs) Yeah, great. Okay. If you could invent one thing, what would it be? Oh my gosh, I don't know the answer to this. And I feel like I had a good idea. Um, How about, I mean, you're a hockey mom. Is there something that you could invent? You know, I would think that I would come up with something in in that hockey realm, but I think we have a lot of great stuff. You know, the other day I was trying to fold laundry and I wanted to watch TikTok videos. And it was great because TikTok is so good at feeding you content and, you know, digital content, all of those things. That's something we can get into on another episode at some point. But I need somebody to be able to scroll through the TikToks while I fold my laundry. So something to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. And then lastly, if you could invite one historical figure over dinner, who would it be? Ooh, this one is, it's pretty tough because... You know, I think there's a number of really amazing women out there that have shaped our history, many that we probably haven't talked to or about enough. But I think right now we are about to experience something we've never experienced before, and that is our first female vice president. And I would love five minutes with Kamala Harris. I think that that would be fantastic. So I am homebrew all the way. Uh, and I drink way too much coffee, as does everyone in my household right now. But carry on with you. There is nothing better than a peppermint mocha. It's like a coffee and a dessert all in one. If you could invent one thing, what would it be? I would guess I would have to say a cure for COVID, right? Something to get us out of this mess. And I have great optimism and hopes for the vaccine. But probably more accurate for my abilities would be I would love to invent a device that stopped my mascara from getting on my eyelids when I put it on in the morning, especially when my eyelids are puffy after not enough sleep and too much coffee. Yeah, Yeah, I think that seems like a product that I could potentially engineer and that I think would be um, very desirable by a lot of women. Quick tip on that, Daphne. Do your bottom lashes first on both sides so that you're not holding your eyelids open as wide on the top. (laughs) Always bottom first. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got it. See, when one woman helps another, amazing things happen. (laughs) All right. Lastly, if you could invite one historical figure over dinner, who would it be? Absolutely. It would be Ruth Bader Ginsburg for me. She was the original badass. Uh, You know, I really respected her ability to have intelligent dissent and really change the world that we all live in today in the 21st century as a result of her impact um, over the last 40 years. You know, there's a lot of uh, runners up there that are very close, but she would be number one for me. Well, uh, with that, I'd like to thank Carrie Drake, WIT past president, and Daphne Weatherspoon, WIT current president. And you may find Carrie on LinkedIn under Carrie Drake Maxar Technologies and on Twitter at Drake underscore Carrie. And you may find Daphne on LinkedIn under Daphne Weatherspoon Addison Group and Her Twitter handle is at dspoon1. Thank you, ladies, so much. And thank you to all for listening. And let's all continue to inspire girls and women 
from the classroom to the boardroom. Thanks everybody for listening. 